Sandy Dan with you, heading across the country by the National Indigenous Radio Service. Also with us, we've got Yaru Country Managers in the studio. Eduano Ma is revisiting and we do have Vaughn Lee as well. Whilst the other rangers are out on country attending a rangers forum. And in fact, uh, last Sunday an announcement was made uh, by our... Uh, Agricultural Minister, Federal Agricultural Minister, David Little Proud about uh, the fantastic work that Indigenous Rangers do across the top end of the country, especially when it comes to biosecurity and looking after the coastlines and talking to Edwana. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Hello, Edwana. Hello, Vaughan. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Sandy. Hey. Yes, been doing a little bit of catch-up work, guys, I understand. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, as you said, some of the other rangers are gone off to the forum, so we stuck around to make sure at least some of our more ongoing projects keep happening. And it's been ongoing work with biodiversity, very much keeping a close eye on what's happening on the coastline around Broome and other parts. Yeah, so um, mainly biosecurity watch we, you know, go through. We've actually worked through an organisation called Top Watch. So we actually work with uh, D-Backer because they have the actual boat to take us out. So we actually go out and have a look for invasive species. Could be like fruits, you know, plants that wash up. It's actually not from our waters. It actually comes from overseas. So, you know, you actually can get shellfish, different types of mussels, which can be a threat to our actually native shellfishes and mussels. And yeah, so um, we more or less keep an eye on that for any invasive species that washes up on shores, whether they actually attach themselves to um, marine debris, whether it be, you know, just rubbish floating around in the sea and then washes up on our beaches. And yeah, a lot of those things can have pests and diseases that they come and, you know, that can really affect our um, native species when it comes to biosecurity. So. That's interesting. I've always thought ghost nets, ropes, fishing gear have always been a big problem, but I didn't realise it was mussels and uh, tiny sea creatures that also can uh, yeah, well, you have a play a big of, part. Yeah, you have these... Um, certain invasive species that actually comes over from overseas from the Asian side and call it green mussels so it looks similar to our kind of mussels that we actually have so they can actually come across and you know they can breed and actually cut out our own um, native species from actually reproducing and then they just take over and wipe out the whole lot so they can attach themselves to vessels that's traveling coming overseas you know from other waters so, yeah, we keep an eye for that. We also do um, walks along the beaches to actually look for things, whether stuff can be attached to ropes and any marine debris that's actually washed up on shore. So, yeah. Are these critters in, in, in shells, these mussels? Yeah, these mussels, they're actually not from Australian waters, so they actually come from other, other waters overseas and they can actually decimate our natural population because they're an invasive species, so, yeah, it's a real threat to our biosecurity in our waters. So, yeah, that's why we always got to keep an eye on our coastlines. 
Is it something one can eat? Um, not too sure about that with the invasive species, but yeah. At the moment, we're trying to eradicate it if they do come over. So, yeah, and some of the biosecurity, perhaps, could also be diseases attached to these other invasive species out there. So, this, the mussels might be edible, but also, if we don't know what they are, they could also carry diseases of their own that would easily spread in the environment that our native species aren't used to. These new foreign diseases that come with these. Uh, invasive species. Just with what else comes with them, how do we kind of, where do we start other than seeing these ropes, nets or whatever they might be attached to? What can signify where a problem spot can be? Well, I mean, uh, I guess... Targeted zones would be areas like ports or other areas where boats or constant uh, traffic is occurring from outside sources. But it's, as we said, we mainly walk around the coastline or the beaches because anything could wash ashore from overseas, whether it's from trash or ropes or other kinds of material. So it's the main focus points would be ports, but it could be all across the areas. Would this also come with ballast water from boats? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, boats are probably a big um, main, one of the main threats too. Because they actually have these grids, I don't know what they're called, but they actually position on the boats and they actually check them every time for new growth. So if they actually have new growth and they actually check it on a regular basis to see whether there's new little mussels or oysters or any kind of shells that are actually growing attached to those things, so yeah. Because you normally see if you go down to the port, someone either cleaning a boat uh, with a long broom handle and uh, just making sure uh, it's looking beautiful, but could there be a dual purpose to that? Could that be a way of also just cleaning up some of uh, the invasive species uh, that can be found on on boats. Yeah, so it's up to the comes down to the port authority when it comes to the environmental act. So they actually have to be aware of certain um monitoring that has to go on around the port operations. So yeah, they actually have to keep an eye on the biosecurity threats in that area of the work that's carried out in that area. It when the last time we spoke, we talked about turtle monitoring, and we kind of touched on this. Have you guys been on out on the boats lately? Uh, oh, we've been on the boats for some of the biosecurity work, but uh, we haven't been doing too much involving the turtles too much lately. But recently, one of our country managers, Leroy Pigram, he went out and to. Yeah, he went out to Exmouth and was doing uh, some work with the rangers and some scientists over there uh, doing uh, dugong tagging. And he spent maybe a couple of weeks out there on the boats. But we've been a bit silent with our turtle monitoring lately. Have you been doing dugong monitoring at all up here as well? Uh, 
not lately, but a few years ago, they did have a certain dugong survey that they did. They flew the coastline from here to 80 Mile Beach, you know, just um, visually spotting them and just doing the number counts. Yeah, so there was quite a number of quite a number of them up and down the coast. So that was the last um, dugong survey I think they did from an aerial point of view. But yeah. And what's it like out there? Is it getting worse or now that a lot of ranger groups are on top of the situation, maybe getting a bit better? Well, I mean, so a lot of our monitoring, or well, some of the monitoring that occurs now that we've been working with is drone surveys out in seagrass monitoring areas. So we're able to detect what's moving through the seagrass, what's feeding on the seagrass, and we know that the turtles and the dugongs are in those areas and, well, in some of the areas around Broome, and there's a good enough population that's moving through that. So we don't have a... We currently don't have a good number of the actual count of dugongs out in the bay right now, but we know that there are, they are there and they are. There's plenty of seagrass for them to feed on. And obviously, must be healthy as they did come across a seahorse a couple of years ago, which is something I haven't seen for a while in Broome. Last time I remember, we were kids when we'd get seahorses floating up out of the seagrasses and uh, all of that during um, low tide periods. So is it a continuation of monitoring work with the the coast over the next couple of months? I think it'll be ongoing for probably years to come, Sandy. So, um, yeah, not only the biosecurity, but also, as Ed said, with the drone work, we need to keep an eye on those sea seagrass beds to see you know, whether they actually move to different areas or whether they shrink or whether they expand and whether they're, you know, looking healthy and, um, yeah, maintaining themselves to feed the dugongs and turtles. We're also seem to be heading into another season again. Now that the winds are coming up, any plans with firework monitoring? Uh, we're pretty past the fire season now. Uh, a bit be too a bit be too late uh winds are a bit too would be a bit too strong uh but now it's getting into the seasons where fire would be a major threat if they were started so a lot of groups would be i guess on watch or in prep for if there was a wildfire be it to be able to be out there and to protect those areas because we had a good wet season didn't we yeah it's turned out Turned out all right. Started off a bit slow, but yeah. Nice and green out there. Robot is looking good on the plains. Yeah, it's all nice. All the grasses are growing up high, and yeah. Got all your fencing done? Yeah, the fencing is done. Um, actually, a bit of work we've done this week is about the sustainable grazing sites. So, actually, managing cattle to see how much you know whether they're actually eating too much of the grass and smaller native trees whether they're actually affecting the actual area, spending too long a time in those certain areas. So we actually fenced off a few areas. It's actually, you know, just small little paddocks, like 50 by 100 metres. And we monitor the inside and outside of those. So you can actually tell different vegetation types when cattle are in those areas. And you actually look at both different pictures to see whether that 
whether that um, growth actually comes back after the cattle actually has trampled on it and eaten it and walked through it and whatnot. So we actually monitor that. So the actual project is sustainable cattle grazing. So yeah, we want to know if the effects that the cattle are having too longer in those areas feeding before moving on to different pastures and whether that's going to be sustainable. And yeah, at the moment, Ed could probably explain about the drone work we did on those sites. Yeah. Uh, this week. Yeah, saying some of the, what we do with the sustainable grazing is a lot of the work involves uh, a lot of different kind of monitoring that we do. So walking through, doing transects inside the fenced off areas and the outside areas and getting an idea of the numbers or what kind of animals are inside the fenced off areas and getting a good look at the vegetation. So once we've done the old, old on the on ground surveys, we do a drone survey now to kind of get an idea of an over the top view of what the vegetation looks like tree wise, get an idea of the canopy health and uh, using a, a Phantom 4 multi-spectral drone, we kind of, it can give us particular kind of imagery um, showing us through the, uh, I guess, a multiple of three different colors of what bare ground is, what grass on the in the actual fenced off areas are, and what the trees, what their actual, uh, what vegetation is trees in the area. So going through the three colors of blue being bare ground, green being grass, and red being the high density trees, we can get over the top views and a lot better of an understanding of what things look like inside the fenced off areas. Who flies the drones? I do. No, oh, Eduardo's uh, the pilot. Oh. He's got his license to fly it? Yeah, got my license to fly it a couple of years ago. Um, and, yeah, it's been good. Get, get a number of different chances to fly the drone doing this kind of work, whether it's out doing seagrass monitoring with the drone or doing sustainable grazing with the drone or, uh, I guess, even getting an idea of what the actual wetlands look like or the lakes that we have out on robot plains, the drone work can give us a lot of that kind of data that we didn't have before. Very clever. Very resourceful as well, guys. Yeah. No wonder you guys are actual country managers because not uh, like uh, rangers, uh, your work is very much... Uh, all over the place, with the focus on land and out on sea. Yeah, well, it comes down to our cultural management plan. You know, we identified our ecological, social, and especially our cultural values that we need to protect. So that's where our work plan comes from, because every it's not only one thing in our country; it affects everything, whether it be groundwater to our, you know, our native trees and animals and plants. And yeah, to saltwater country, you know, it's we're all the same. It's one big picture. So you got to take care of one. You can't look after one without the other. It comes as a whole. So yeah. Nicely put, Vaughan. Nicely put, Vaughan. Edwana, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Sandy, for having us. Yeah, thanks. It's always nice to catch up, and always very interesting with what you pick up, the way. It, Digitalization is working in with uh, cultural and uh, traditional methods out there and uh, 
the country managers over at Yari Nyambaburu certainly proves that. And that's exactly what we've been talking about with Bon Lee and Edwana Ma today.